Spoken word poetry, that's not all Poetry P is about, but it's so very important to us. And today, there's lots of spoken haiku and senryu on the podcast, written by you, for you. And of course, we have some nomination for the judge's choice for the submission period. A submission full of illusion. I wonder if you're going to agree with the judges. My name is Patricia, and this is the Poetry P Podcast. Today I'm reading haiku and senryu you wrote in response to the Honkadori and Honsetsu challenge. For the uninitiated, there are a couple of podcasts in our almoire which you can consult for a bit of info, and of course, a workshop on YouTube. If you're heading over there to watch and haven't subscribed, why not do it while you're there? Anyway, Succinctly put, Honkadori and Honzetsu are allusions to other pieces of work, whether other poems or prose. And you were asked to write your haiku and senru based on a few foundation pieces. Some of you went off piste. More of that later. But if you didn't write any poems this time and want to know what the foundation pieces were, you'll find them in the show notes for the 43rd episode of the 6th series. Speaking of show notes, the poetry you hear today, past bonus poetry, will be in the first journal of the year, which is out imminently. ISA and Busan members will receive the PDF automatically. Poets on the newsletter will be told of its publication, and of course I'll mention it on a podcast. But the best way to make sure you get it are to become ISA and Busan members. Failing that, sign up for the newsletter so you know when it's out. And I have a request for you. If you enjoy what you hear today, do please go to wherever you're listening or to an episode of the podcast on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, and leave us a review or a comment. And smother social media with the news that the podcast is out. And if I read your work, maybe share that too. You can tag me on X or Instagram, where Poetry P is fairly active. And a mention on your Facebook post might be good too. Now, speaking of Facebook, I'm going to create a page for Poetry P. But I can only do this if I have some volunteers to be admins. Honestly, I'm pretty much at the end of my capacity at the moment. I would appreciate some help. As you know, I'm looking for an intern, still looking for an intern, but it's proving difficult. I shall persevere. But if you can help me, even if you can only offer little bits of help from time to time, do please let me know. Now I have five judges for you today. I know, my begging really paid off. The first of the judges is Lev Hart, who I'm pleased to say will be joining the editing team later in the year, when the wonderful Lorraine Padden departs. Now, he couldn't make it for the recording, so I'm going to read his analysis to you, and of course his choice. Here is Lev Hart's nomination for the judge's choice. Withering wind, he blames his cabbagey farts on the ghost. Withering wind, he blames his cabbagey farts on the ghost. And that is by Tracy Davidson.
and he says, The coup I've chosen links elegantly to its source of inspiration. Patricia Neubauer uses the words seance, smells and cabbage. Our poet's choice of words, ghost, farts and cabbagey, chimes with Neubauer's, like a series of rhyming couplets. The illusion is not obscure, and it's far from plagiarism. Our coup finds the middle path between these extremes. Its method of suggesting illusions through a series of couplets is well thought out. Ideas about form and technique permeate the coup. The opening line, Withering Wind, is a winter kigo. Accordingly, the word alludes to traditional Japanese ideas associated with winter. Among its myriad of illusions, winter is the season of death. In the original, withering wind is kogorashi, literally meaning tree witherer. These illusions link to cabbage farts. We are talking about flatulence that can wither the landscape and evoke thoughts of death. The comparison of these two ill winds is joined by a second juxtaposition based on contrast. The verse starts as haiku, then pivots to senryu. He blames his cabbagey farts on the ghost. This juxtaposition takes the form of a comic twist. The difference between flatulence in haiku and senryu is, of course, not hard to smell out. Haiku humour is distinguished by kurumi, or lightness. The fragrance at the seance table is anything but light. Our poet's satirical look at the medium is another link between the verse and senryu. Commenting on humour in traditional senryu, Blythe observes, There is a universal desire to explode the bubbles, to break through the camouflage, to tear off the masks by which human beings hide their true selves. Similarly, when the medium blames his cabbagey farts on the ghost, we see him for the charlatan he is. Satire was peripheral in haiku tradition. In pre-modern senryu, however, satire was central. Combining haiku and senryu, our poet has written a senryku, I see Senriku appearing regularly in journals. Their emergence is groundbreaking, and our poet a pioneer. Thank you, Lev. I wonder if you'll agree with him. Let us know. Lev is a regular submitter to the journal, and of course this time was no different, and I have something of his to read to you. Across the paddies, crows silhouettes and the autumn evening. Across the paddies, crows silhouettes, and the autumn evening. Levhart. If you've listened to the podcasts I recorded with George Swede, which I have to say have been widely praised, thank you very much, link in the show notes, then you'll know that this year I'm exploring the essence of haiku and senryu, how they differ, and how they differ from short poems or micropoems. So you might notice that today and into the future, I've used haiku and senryu distinctly. I've arranged a group of haiku and then a group of senryu. 
Some of them were a close call. Do you know what? George was perhaps right in his thoughts on the Haiku Trinity. Maybe there are three. Anyway, I'm hoping that doing this will be a useful exercise, not just for me, but for all of us. And if you disagree with any of my choices, I know you'll let me know. I'm going to start with the poems in the haiku section. I'm happy if you write and tell me I've got it wrong, or even better, that I've got it right. We're happy to consider all opinions and styles here at P Towers. Although, if we think the work isn't haiku or senryu, that it's short poetry, it's unlikely to be accepted. As I said earlier, some calls are going to be close. If you agree or disagree, tell me and we'll learn together. So let's start with the haiku. Freshly baked cake, winding between the trees, his hungry snarl. Freshly baked cake, winding between the trees, his hungry snarl. Joshua Gage. Paddy stalks, the evening crows chatter. Paddy stalks, the evening crows chatter. Catherine E. Winnick. Long night moon, you still ask me to dance in my dreams. Long night moon, you still ask me to dance in my dreams. Adele Evershed. Storm moon shadows, a path through the field now bare. Storm moon shadows, a path through the field now bare. Sangeeta Kalarikal. The Uber driver takes a wrong turn to Grandma's house. Wolf Moon. The Uber driver takes a wrong turn to Grandma's house. Wolf Moon. Debbie Olson. Saxophone solo. The busker's guide dog catches a snowflake. Saxophone solo. The busker's guide dog catches a snowflake. Kimberly Kuchar. Paddy Fields. Somewhere a song from our youth. Paddy Fields. Somewhere a song from our youth. Mona Betty. Rainy morning traffic. Could I too float away in an umbrella boat? Rainy morning traffic. Could I too float away in an umbrella boat? Adam Graham. Now, I've mentioned it before, but you may have noticed I've started a membership scheme at Buy Me A Coffee this year. 
offering all the resources we have here at Poetry Peak can be a bit on the costly side. And if the podcast is to continue and survive, then I have to generate a bit of income. I can't tell you how much I hate saying that, but that's the reality of the situation. So I'm exceedingly grateful to anyone who's taken up a membership. But don't forget, you can also donate a coffee to the podcast. Honestly, I rarely drink coffee. I can only drink decaf and that doesn't seem to be worth drinking. But all the coffee money goes towards the cost of the podcast. The equipment I need, the digital resources I require, you know, like Zoom and paying for the website. And of course, reading resources I have to purchase. Although I do do my best to use the wonderful library down in the middle of Zurich as much as possible. So a big, big thank you to everyone who's donated coffee or three to us in January. Kimberly Kucher, Jenny Shepherd, Susan Andrews, Yvonne Wern, M. Chrysotalis, Nancy Brady, Alison Douglas-Turner and Linda Ludwig. And a massive shout out to everyone who supported us with a membership. Our Shiki members, George Swede, Linda Ludwig, Chad Boykin, our ISA members, Tony Williams, Melissa Dennison, Marjorie Pizzoli, Laurie Kiefer, Ivanka Ettinger, and Steve Barr, and our colourful Boussons, Kimberly Kucher, Debbie Olson, Jenny Shepherd, Susan Spooner, Jill Moura, Mike Flanagan, Pedestal and Pen. Don't know who you are, but I'm very grateful. Thank you. Susan Andrews. Thanks all very, very much. Members receive little love emails with content from me during the month. And my lovely members, if you don't receive them, email me because obviously something will get lost in the ether from time to time. Okay, my lovelies. More poetry, please. Continuing with the haiku. Wolf Moon. Grandma recollects her wild days. Wolf Moon. Grandma recollects her wild days. Laurie Kiefer. First Snow. I give the blind musician my scarf. First Snow. I give the blind musician my scarf. M.R. Defibo. Oh, Matt, I do hope I've said that right. Apologies if not. Politicians in sheep's clothing. Wolf moon. Politicians in sheep's clothing. Wolf moon. Jan Stretch. Meeting through fog the softness of your lips. Meeting through fog the softness of your lips. Rita Melisano. Twenty years hence and still blooming these forget-me-nots. Twenty years hence and still blooming These forget-me-nots. Kim Clue.
crocus blossoms. Today is my new favourite day. Crocus blossoms. Today is my new favourite day. Carrie J. Heckman. I sense it's her, the medium's parlour, a faint scent of roses. I sense it's her, the medium's parlour, a faint scent of roses. Shizuki Tsukino. Now let's welcome Marilyn Ashbell, who came through as a community judge quite late in the day, for which I thank you, Marilyn. The crippled beggar sitting under a people collects only shade. The crippled beggar sitting under a people collects only shade. This is by Rupa Anand. Initially, I was drawn to Rupa Anand's haiku for its euphony and its resonance to and cultural transition from the Nicholas Virgilio haiku, the blind musician extending an old tin cup collects a snowflake. The blind musician extending an old tin cup collects a snowflake. Returning to Rupa's haiku, I was not familiar with the people tree, and so I googled it and found this. It is said that it was here under a people tree that Prince Siddhartha meditated until he attained enlightenment more than 2,500 years ago and became known as the Buddha, the Awakened One. I was familiar with the Buddha's story, but only knew the tree as the Bodhi tree, which displays my ignorance, my blindness, if you will. Now that I know how little I know about the cultural references, I must return to line one, the crippled beggar, for perhaps he or she is known by other names as well, perhaps a bodhisattva like the Buddha. With this insight, I return to line three, collects only shade. Aside from a literal translation, what does this mean? Perhaps the pity or repulsion of those walking by is what the Bodhisattva is collecting. The layers of meaning in Rupa's haiku are deep and profound. Thank you. Thank you, Marilyn. It's, it certainly is deep and profound. Thank you for, for choosing that and for talking us through it. How did you get on with the differentiation between the haiku and the senryu in this issue? I really appreciated the differentiation. Um, I was drawn to haiku because I'm a nature lover and I feel season words or kigo are extremely important, at least to me. Um, in creating haiku, I respect senru, uh, but I do I do feel they are very different for me. I'm waiting to see when people read the read the journal this time whether they're going to agree with some of my choices because they were some very close calls there. But uh, thank you very much. One last poem in the haiku section of today's podcast, and it's from Craig Kittner, who incidentally 
will be on the podcast next week. All being well with the internet fairies. Frog leaps ripple the pond. A passing gnome parts the grass. Frog leaps ripple the pond. A passing gnome parts the grass. Craig Kittner Now Craig's poem leads me nicely into pieces of work that you sent me that were not on the foundation pieces list. Now before you shout at me and say that's not fair, I thought, and hopefully you'll agree when you hear them, that they were pieces too good to miss. But they were not considered for the judge's choice. But if you disagree with me, you know I'll accept the criticism. Fire away. So these are the non-foundation pieces. Drought at the old pond. One stiff frog. Drought at the old pond. One stiff frog. Linda Ludwig. Iowa Hayride Captain Kirk's grandparents fall in love Iowa Hayride Captain Kirk's grandparents fall in love Dennis Moresby The road less travelled following her spoken words into a poem The road less travelled, following her spoken words into a poem. John Hawkhead O Saturn, if we should grab you by your ring, what a toy you'd be. O Saturn, if we should grab you by your ring, what a toy you'd be. Chris Ralph And that was inspired by Yamazaki Sokan. And I thought I'd read you the uh, translation of the poem that inspired Chris. O moon, if we would put a handle on you, what a fan you'd be. O moon, if we would put a handle on you, what a fan you'd be. Jumping frog. Big splash, small pond. Jumping frog, big splash, small pond. Burke Anderson. The laughter of children playing hopscotch in the street. A dog barks. The laughter of children playing hopscotch in the street. A dog barks. Paul Callis. And Paul's poem was inspired by Shiki, and you may be familiar with it. The desolation of winter. Passing through a small hamlet, a dog barks. The desolation of winter. Passing through a small hamlet, a dog barks. Do you like what Paul's done with it? He's turned it on its head really hasn't he solitaire's the only game in town new year's eve 
Solitaire's the only game in town. New Year's Eve. Mimi Ahern. Hearing when I'm 64. At 17. At 71. Hearing when I'm 64. At 17. At 71. Richard Tice. The next of our judges is Sandra Simmons. Shall we find out which of the poems she nominated? Welcome, Sandra. I found many good poems in the lot, and the use of illusion made the haiku sing out with a kind of woven harmony. My top choice is as follows. Sunrise, the last heffalump on the plains. Sunrise, the last heffalump on the plains by Melissa Dennison. This particular haiku resonates in my mind with that feeling of childhood wonder as it exists along current real life issues. The haiku begins with a mention of the daily cycle of dawn after a night's dark break, sunrise, the cut offered by the dash after the only word of the first line suggests a change in tone as well as in time. Rather than continuing in a timeless, ritualistic welcoming of the new day, the writer places us at a specific moment, the last heffalump. Now this time may be simply an indication of the moment in the day when a trailing heffalump is sighted by an observer. However, to know that the one heffalump is indeed the last one would mean the observer has seen others. To me, the heffalump, a fantastical creature resembling an elephant in the dreamlike world of Winnie the Pooh, represents the fragile state of life on Earth at this time during a conjuncture of environmental crises. On this layer of interpretation, one could sense that the lone straggler is in fact the last of its kind, on its way to extinction, or perhaps already there. Could the heffalump on the plains even be a mirage or a childhood memory? Childhood itself is a season marking a moment in the cycle of life, and the change from childhood, a kind of innocent openness to the imagination, to adulthood, where responsibilities nudge out many dreams, may represent a movement. A juxtaposition emerges about one kind of thinking tied to dreams, as in the night, and another kind of thinking tied to reality, as in the day. The last heffalump lingers on in the mind, but only for a brief moment, a coup, during which the sunrise sheds light on this liminal place between times where nonsensical longing exists. I long for those days of quiet imaginings, and perhaps all adults still have that childlike part of themselves that wants to find a way back. The songwriter Kenny Loggins mentioned in his song, The House at Pooh Corner, how he needed to get back to the house at Pooh Corner by one, to do lots of important things belonging to that wondrous world of imagination. Christopher Robin had to grow up, alas, as do we all. 
The piercing fact of the end of night seems painfully real. Then in a wondrous twist of elusive generosity, the haiku brings its reader back to the feeling of childhood, its innocence, and the conviction that what can be imagined actually exists. Visually, it would seem that the heffalump appears on the plains easily, silhouetted by the rising sun, just like an elephant, an image that has almost become a trope by its familiar status. I think the writer of this haiku brings together a nuanced layering of these meanings while retaining the sense of observation and timing of traditional haiku reading. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you very much, Sandra. It was uh, a joy to have you, and I'm so pleased that you read Melissa's poem for us. Thank you very much. And now for all the poems that I put into the Senryu category. The beggar has an upgrade, accepts PayPal. The beggar has an upgrade, accepts PayPal. Mark Brimble. A table full of grey ladies in an uproar, all clad in purple. A table full of grey ladies in an uproar, all clad in purple. Michael Flanagan. We know what, I saw some great purple loafers the other day and I was so tempted to buy them. Maybe I'll go back and see if they're still there. Don't tell my husband. Sick in bed, visiting old friends in the Hundred Acre Wood. Sick in bed, visiting old friends in the Hundred Acre Wood. Susan Andrews. The wolf's head in between her dog's teeth. Jigsaw puzzle. The wolf's head in between her dog's teeth. Jigsaw puzzle. Lakshmi Iyer. Pension day. The purple cream on her wrinkles. Pension day. The purple cream on her wrinkles. Ah, Suresh Babu. Lost love, will your clone recognise me today? Lost love, will your clone recognise me today? Minal Sarosh In the hood, she makes friends with the wolf. Grandma loves him. In the hood, she makes friends with the wolf. Grandma loves him. Colette Kern Two grandmas in Red's basket, a can of mace. Two grandmas in Red's basket, a can of mace. David Oates The purple hat of an elderly priestess, lunch at McDonald's. The purple hat of an elderly priestess. 
Lunch at McDonald's. Nasia Moldovan. Feedback from a ghosted contact. Cell phone seance. Feedback from a ghosted contact. Cell phone seance. Lindsay Sears. Red on purple. Her unsuitable hat. My varicose veins. Red on purple. Her unsuitable hat. My varicose veins. Amita Paul. Evening seance. Discussing how to cook sauerkraut. Evening seance. Discussing how to cook sauerkraut. Rob McKinnon. Oh, and it's time for another nomination. This time from one of our regular judges, Lynn Jamble. Sorting hat. Always the last to know. Sorting hat. Always the last to know. Ivanka Ettinger. The world of Harry Potter holds that the sorting hat sorts a child based on what traits they possess. The hat is placed on a child's head and assigns him or her to a school based on character, personality, personal attributes, inherent skills, and spirit. The fictional hat in effect labels the child and sets them on a predefined path of development. That label is not necessarily positive or negative, but predetermined by the hat's decision. Thus the sorting hat, while supposedly used as a kindness within a realistic context in the novels, is quick and final. In our children in the real world, labels are supplied all too readily by peers, teachers, and other persons of authority. If a child is labeled unkind or disruptive, a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy can be the result. A quick judgment has major ramifications on that person's future. Regarding the second part of the poem, the phrase, always the last to know. How many times have we said to ourselves or others that we were the last to know something, usually pejorative or hurtful, often based on others' lies, our own negativity, our lack of self-awareness, or recognition of our own or others' proclivities. The sorting hat provides quick judgments about who we are as children. Yet real nonfiction lives do not show us or tell us who we are until at least we begin to grow into adulthood. Regarding the language of the poem, the T repetition is short, staccato, and quick. 
sorting hat. In the second line, always the last. The S sounds in the second line are flowing, leaving the question of what is the last exactly. And the third line completes the cliche so common to human nature, always the last to know. The juxtaposition or contrast, however you would like to phrase that, of, of the immediate self-knowledge, supposedly of the sorting hat based on external judgment versus the slow accumulation of self-knowledge through personal experience is quite brilliant in my opinion. So I chose this poem based on my immediate reaction to the philosophical connotations, the joy of the books, and the pleasure of reading a complex thought in such a concise manner. So I thank the author, E. Ivanka Ettinger. Thanks, Lynn. Ivanka, I think you've hit on something with that senryu. And it got me thinking. For those of you who are Harry Potter fans out there, if you were sitting under the sorting hat, which house would you feel like that you'd want to be put into? I'm conflicted. Personally, I feel I deserve Gryffindor. But don't you think that might be a bit boring? Am I possibly a Slytherin? Who are? Something to ponder. Let's continue with our senryu. If we meet 20 years hence, our half-lived lives. If we meet 20 years hence, our half-lived lives. Nina Singh. My first outing with a walking stick, the railings beckon. My first outing with a walking stick, the railings beckon. Jenny Shepherd. Evening rush, a blind man on the flute. Evening rush, a blind man on the flute. Govind Joshi. Wolf fangs, spewing out scarlet ribbons, Menzies moon. Wolf fangs, spewing out scarlet ribbons, Menzies moon. Dorothy Burrows. Five o'clock high, my Nana's stash of brandy. Five o'clock high, my Nana's stash of brandy. Cynthia Anderson. Divorce court. The judge frees me from my bogart. Divorce court. The judge frees me from my bogart. By Sally Chatterjee Dutt. 
If only a feast could simply appear on my kitchen table. If only a feast could simply appear on my kitchen table. Jennifer Gurney. Quite right, Jennifer. I'm about to make my lunch. If only it would just tumble out of the oven and spill onto my plate. Evening Ouija. Dad still stinks at spelling. Evening Ouija. Dad still stinks at spelling. P.H. Fisher. Post Christmas. Poo pooing my pot belly. Post Christmas. Poo pooing my pot belly. Julie Bloss Kelsey. Wearing more purple than Batman's Joker. Second midlife crisis. Wearing more purple than Batman's Joker. Second midlife crisis. Douglas J. Lanzo. Daring to go where I've not gone before. The Hogwarts Express. Daring to go where I've not gone before. The Hogwarts Express. Bona M. Santos. Sword in the blockchain. The moon's shadow. Dark art. Sword in the blockchain. The moon's shadow. Dark art. Anna Yin. Freeing Granny from the Wolf, Woman's Shelter. Freeing Granny from the Wolf, Woman's Shelter. Susan Birch. Coping. Maybe the Wolf was dementia. Coping. Maybe the Wolf was dementia. Matt Snyder Pasta having gone from our table, Grandma comes out of the closet. Pasta having gone from our table, Grandma comes out of the closet. Eric A. Lohman When we accepted this one, I said to Eric, this very much reminded me of my years at home when I was still at home with my parents and the priest would arrive and he'd always arrive when mum was in the middle of making dinner and he'd sit down and we'd give him his whiskey and we children would disappear to leave our poor mother to make polite conversation with the priest. He was never in any hurry. Dear, oh dear. Twenty years on, I will know Earth from the inside. Twenty years on, I will know Earth from the inside. Doris Lynch Purple Phase 
growing into what they said I'd grow out of. Purple phase. Growing into what they said I'd grow out of. Herb Tate. And now, one last nomination from Kurt Paulish, who is working up the next Illusion podcast for us. It won't be for some time, but we do try and get ahead of ourselves whenever we can. Shall we find out whose poem he is nominating? Performance Review, Expecto Patronum, by Ravi Kiran. Any poem that makes me laugh out loud is a winner in my book, and I laughed the moment I read Ravi's haiku performance review. We've been asked here to focus our remarks on our poet's use of illusion, so I cannot talk about how this haiku achieves its humor, its use of alliteration, consonants, and assonance, its one-line format, and how it reminds me of the alliterative verse of old English poetry. But, alas, and not so alas, let's talk about illusion. Here's my checklist for judging its use. Item number one, the poet should allude to a work known by a sizable amount of readers. Check. Who doesn't know Harry Potter? Most of us had kids or were kids when the Potter series came out. Our two girls, my wife and I, all read the books as soon as they came out. Item number two, the poet should capture the energy of the alluded to work. Said another way, the alluded to work should add dimension and context to a haiku. Chuck, in the Harry Potter series, we first learned of the Patronus charm in The Prisoner of Azkaban. A Patronus is a figure manifested from a wand when its wizard says, expecto Patronum. The figure, a stag in the case of Harry Potter, protects wizards by driving away dementors. Dementors are nasty business. They're floating figures, vaguely human in form and shrouded in black. If given the chance, a dementor will suck out the soul of its victim, leaving a living corpse. By quoting the Patronus charm, Ravi is implicitly saying that we need protection, both from the dementors who give the performance reviews, and perhaps from the dementors who are behind the whole bureaucratic mentality that demands use of performance reviews. To this I say, wow. In just four words and 11 syllables, Ravi has constructed a powerful haiku through his use of humor, the one-line haiku sound, and his allusion to Harry Potter. Expecto Patronum. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, very pleased you chose that one. I was a big Harry Potter fan myself. Um, <laughs> so my yeah. question, I've got a question for you, Kurt. What would your animal be if if you had to ex do an expecto patronus, have a you lion. ever thought about it? A lion? <laughs> wow. You've I'm got not big... bashful, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this and all like the best I came up with was, was a buzzard, but you know, um, I'm obviously going to have to think bigger. 
You do not remind me of a buzzard, if that's any comfort. <laughs> no, it's just that they, they look, I see quite a lot of them when I'm out on my bike around here, and um, they're just so magnificent when they're flying around and, you know. Thank you, Kurt. We'll look forward to seeing you back later in the year, with more illusion. But for now, one last poem to finish the podcast with. Quite possibly neither a haiku nor a senryu, but one that resonated with me and I couldn't let it go. When I am an old woman, I'll have Judy Dench's hairstyle and Helen Mirren's noble poise. When I am an old woman, I'll have Judy Dench's hairstyle and Helen Mirren's noble poise. Christina Povero Christina, I can but dream. Thank you. And don't forget, the journal will be out soon, so you can read all these poems and some bonus poems too. Thank you very much for joining me. Don't forget those little jobs I requested of you. Consider buying a membership if you haven't already, or donating a coffee. Give the podcast a review. And, if you have a minute, I'd really love some feedback from you. A quick reminder, we have submissions opening next month. If you're listening in real time, February 2024, you'll need to have a listen or a watch of Joshua Gage's latest workshop or podcast on Taria Vaza. Submissions open on the 1st of March and the first of our Highburn reading periods this year opens next month too, 16th of March. You might like to start thinking about those. Because I don't know about you, my hyphen always need more editing than my haiku. And even they need quite a bit. So until next time, keep writing. Remember, if you're heading over to the show notes to look for the poems I've read today, you'll find them in Journal 124 out soon. But you might find some useful links in the show notes anyway. Go and have a look. Ciao!